Spider-Man Homecoming has thwipped its way into theaters, but does the second reboot of everyone's favorite friendly neighborhood Spider-Man live up to its current fresh rating of 93% on Rotten Tomatoes? Find out right now on a new episode of Matt in a Matinee. Welcome everyone to another episode of Matt and a Matinee. It's been a long time, but it feels so good to be back. As always, my name is Matt, and I will be your guide on this mystical, magical carpet ride that is my review of Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, whether this is your first time, or you've listened to my reviews before, my format will always be the same. I will give you my likes, dislikes, all spoiler-free, and then I will let you know before I move into spoilers, so you have fair warning to shut this episode off, web-sling your way into theaters, and then come on back once you've seen the movie to hear my final thoughts. So without further ado, let's get into my review of Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming follows a young Peter Parker played by actor Tom Holland as he returns to his home of Queens, New York, fresh off the events of Captain America's Civil War, where he lives with his Aunt May played by Marissa Tomei and acts under the watchful eye of his new mentor, Tony Stark played by Robert Downey Jr. as he begins to navigate his newfound identity as the web-slinging superhero Spider-Man. Thrilled with his experiences with the Avengers, Peter tries to fall back into his normal daily routine, distracted by the thoughts of proving himself to be more than just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But when the Vulture, played by Michael Keaton, emerges as a new villain, everything that Peter holds most important will be threatened and his abilities tested. So let's go ahead and get started by talking about my likes on the film. Tom Holland is the definitive on-screen Peter Parker and Spider-Man. In my opinion, Holland is the first actor of the three that have portrayed the character to be able to do justice to not only the character of Peter Parker, but his web-slinging alter-ego Spider-Man. Now before you start calling for my head or throwing shade at me of J. Jonah Jameson proportions, let me clarify. I like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield respectively, and I felt like each actor brought a new and fresh take on the character. However, I felt that they both dropped the ball when trying to play both Peter Parker and Spider-Man, who even though they are the same person, are very different characters. I think Tobey Maguire shined in the first two Spider-Man films as Peter Parker, but was never fully able to grasp or understand the brash, quick-witted, and silver-tongued charm that went into playing Peter Parker's alter ego. However, the opposite could be said for Andrew Garfield and how I think he shined in the Amazing Spider-Man films as everyone's favorite webhead but fell flat when it came to playing Peter Parker. Instead of the shy introvert with a flair for science and academia we have come to know and love, Garfield's portrayal of the character comes off as more of a brooding, rebellious teenager. But unlike Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield is able to pull off and present that brash, quick-witted silver tongue that we've all come to know and love from the Spider-Man character. Tom Holland is the first actor of the three who was able to overcome the complications and in my opinion really understood that Peter Parker and Spider-Man, even though they're the same person, are different characters. He flawlessly pulls off the shy introvert type that is Peter Parker, and effortlessly he is able to provide the brash, quick wit, and silver tongue charm that's needed to pull off Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming follows the Ultimate Comics Universe version of its comic book counterpart and returns Peter Parker to what makes the character so relatable in the first place. In this film, Peter Parker is a 15-year-old high school student having to deal with everyday challenges like school, friends, homecoming dances, extra curricular activities, all while trying to be Spider-Man. Returning the focus back to Peter Parker being an everyday kid who is dealing with everyday problems on top of being a superhero was a great choice and I feel it allows you to reconnect with the character. I feel like this movie was balanced perfectly. You got the perfect amount of on-screen time of Tom Holland in the Spider-Man suit and him being Peter Parker, the everyday kid. The supporting cast in this film is one of the bright spots. For instance, 
Peter's best friend Ned Leeds is the perfect complement to Peter Parker. And actor Jacob Batalon, sorry if I butchered your name, his portrayal of the character is on the same level of Tom Holland, and the two actors never outshine one another on the screen together. However, this is a very different portrayal of Ned Leeds than most comic book fans are used to. He resembles more of Miles Morales' best friend Genki than he does the Daily Bugle reporter who would one day become Hobgoblin in the comics. But the character works on many different levels in this film and is able to provide some comedic relief for the film in Peter Parker's downtime. Now, sticking to the supporting cast, uh, let me touch on the Vulture. I had a love-hate relationship with this character in the film, and I'll get more into that when I go to my dislikes and spoilers section. But regardless, I loved Michael Keaton's portrayal of Adrian Tomes in this film, and the writing of the character was great, and they did a great job with his line of work as a scavenger, and it really complemented and rounded out the Vulture persona. But like I said, that's all stuff I'll get into more in my dislike section and in the spoiler section. But one of the things I really liked about this film is that it didn't rehash Peter Parker's played out origin story. The film trusted that its audience knows Peter Parker's backstory and have at least seen a Spider-Man film before. So you don't have to sit through the spider bite and the death of Uncle Ben for a third time. But it still hints these events took place and it gives you the message of with great power comes great responsibility without shoving it down your throat. The choice to follow the ultimate comic storyline was a nice touch and going with a younger Aunt May was a smart move. Marissa Tomei's portrayal of Aunt May breathes new life into the character in the film, and it's full of references to just how hot she is. Tony Stark, once again played by Robert Downey Jr., is a nice addition to the film in the role of Peter's mentor. Robert Downey Jr. is in the film as Tony just enough to move the story along, keeping Peter on track without overshadowing the younger Tom Holland. The same could be said for the returning Happy Hogan, played by Jon Favreau. This film is more character-driven than most Marvel films. This is less like Iron Man and Captain America, and more along the lines of Ant-Man or Doctor Strange. So if you enjoy Ant-Man, you'll definitely enjoy Spider-Man Homecoming. Now let me get into my dislikes. At times, the pacing of this film feels off. You get a lot of downtime in this movie where you have Peter just being Peter, out doing normal everyday kid things, or working on his tech, or spending time with his friends, or, or classmates, and things like that. And a lot of times, it comes off as sloppy, boring, and misses its mark. Even though the case could be made that this is the best Spider-Man film yet, it is not the best Marvel film, and I don't know if I could even put it in the top five. I left this film feeling that something was missing, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I could definitely see this film coming off as kind of boring to younger viewers, with how much downtime actually dominates this film. The action scenes in this film are fun and enjoyable, but I didn't feel like the stakes were high enough. Even the boat scene you see in the trailer that should be the pivotal point of the movie felt very downplayed, and that the stakes and consequences weren't very high. This film was definitely lacking the intensity that was provided in the previous Spider-Man films. The movie couldn't escape this feeling that it was slightly inconsequential. A lot of the things are happening to set up Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe, but nothing of importance is really happening that allows you to get invested in it. The Vulture in this movie doesn't feel menacing. He doesn't feel like a real threat, and it has nothing to do with Michael Keaton's portrayal of the character, and more of how the character was written and his reasoning for doing things, but I'll go more into that in the spoilers. The portrayal of Flash Thompson in this film is less that of a school bully and more of a cyber internet bully. He doesn't come off as a physically intimidating person like his comic book counterpart, but more of like a spoiled rich kid. A lot of times in the movie you see Flash being more jealous at the time he had to play second fiddle to Peter when it came to the debate team. The character felt like he really had no place in this film, and it wouldn't have really changed the dynamic of the film if he was in it or not. As any Spider-Man fan knows, Peter Parker's love interests are as important to the story of Spider-Man as Peter Parker himself. The love interest in this film, Liz Allen, doesn't feel like that. 
She has really minimal value to the story other than to be Peter's crush and to be a catalyst to a bigger plot reveal later on in the film, but I'll get more into that in the spoilers. All right, folks, we've reached that time in our podcast where we're about to go into spoilers, so if you haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming yet and you still want to see the film spoiler-free, stop this podcast right here, go out, see the film, and then come on back to hear my final thoughts. Alright, so if you're still here, that means you've already seen Spider-Man Homecoming and you're ready to get the spoilers, the juice, the dirt, and hear my final thoughts when it comes to Spider-Man Homecoming. One of the things that sent me flying out of my seat in this movie was the reveal that Miles Morales exists in the MCU. In this movie, we meet a criminal by the name of Aaron Davis, played by Donald Glover, or comic book fans might know him better as the Prowler, or Miles Morales' uncle. We see in the movie Spider-Man approach Aaron about weapons the Vulture is making, and he drops the bombshell that he doesn't want these weapons on the streets as he has a nephew that lives in the city. I feel like the name drop was a big move in a small package, kind of like when they name dropped Doctor Strange at the end of Captain America Winter Soldier, and then Doctor Strange went on to have his own film, and it kind of revealed their hand of future plans for the MCU for that character. I feel that's exactly what they're doing here with Miles Morales. They're setting you up to understand that this character is going to make his debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe sooner rather than later. If you ever read the comics version of the Civil War storyline, you know that Peter Parker unmasks in a press conference, joining the side of Tony Stark and becoming the Iron Spider. It was a nice touch for Marvel to include the Iron Spider suit in this film, as well as the press conference connecting this film to Captain America's Civil War and establishing that the events of this film are playing out as the events of Civil War are still going on. But in an interesting turn of events, instead of Peter joining his new mentor, he turns him down, and it was an interesting twist to the story, and I'll be interested to see how this affects any of his choices and the effects it has on future Marvel events and films going forward. The Vulture was a very tame bad guy, so tame in fact that he didn't feel like a bad guy at all. He really had no high stakes to him and was more of just an everyday guy just trying to provide for his family. Even when it was revealed in the third act of the movie that the Vulture was the father of Peter's crush, it gave the film an emotional current, but it didn't do much to push the character or up his threat level. One thing I really liked about this film was the number of bad guys that were incorporated in the film without it feeling overplayed or bogged down, much like Amazing Spider-Man 2, where you had all these villains just thrown in there inappropriately, as well as Spider-Man 3, I guess you could say. You got way more villains in this film than you might have realized, and most of them were making their big screen debut for the first time. This film was packed with some of the notable Spider-Man bad guys like the Shocker, the Scorpion, the Prowler, and even the Tinkerer. If you remember back to when this film was announced and it was first being cast, a uh, Disney Channel actress by the name of Zendaya was cast to play a character by the name of Michelle. Now, Michelle doesn't exist in the Spider-Man comic, so fans are kind of wondering who this character was. And then it came out at one point that she was supposed to be Mary Jane, but the powers that be at Marvel were very quick to dismiss this and said, no, she's playing this character, Michelle. Well, we find out at the end of the film that Michelle, played by Zendaya, is actually the MCU version of Mary Jane Watson, confirming that fan speculation that was was once denied by the powers that be but i feel like as okay as i am with the change of that character and going this different route even though i don't particularly care for zendaya as an actress i do feel like she did a good job as michelle but i feel like the reveal at the end of the movie of her being mj where she's kind of like telling the debate team well my friends call me mj i feel like that was almost on the same level as the 
um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt Robin reveal at the end of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight Rises. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like the speculation was already there, so you weren't really pulling the wall over on anybody's eyes with that little slip at the end of, oh, my friends call me MJ, when I think most of the people and most of the fans that really dove into this movie and, and really followed it from, you know, its, its announcement to the finished product knew that's who she was going to be. The name Marvel is synonymous with the after the credit scene. And Spider-Man Homecoming is no different. But what I liked about Spider-Man Homecoming is, is that if you waited till after the credits, instead of a look into the next big Marvel epic story like you've grown accustomed to, instead you had a nice little troll from Captain America where he walks out on stage and gives you this speech about how sometimes being patient and waiting around pays off and how sometimes you get nothing at all. And, and that's pretty much what it was. It was just a giant troll by Marvel and I, I thought it was funny and I thought it was refreshing and enjoyable and it kind of poked fun at itself when Captain America looks at the screen and he's like, how many more of these do we have to do? It, it was something that I wasn't expecting and I did get a good chuckle out of. So with all that being said, Spider-Man Homecoming is an entertaining and prominent entry into the MCU for the famed web slinger. Utilizing its cast charming performances in a story that is more character driven than action driven, this movie plays out very much like a John Hughes high school film. This film isn't without flaws, but it is the best Spider-Man film in a very long time, and it leaves me eagerly anticipating more Spider-Man films to come. I give Spider-Man Homecoming an 8.7 out of 10. There you have it, my review of Spider-Man Homecoming. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and if so, why not head on over to the Absolute Geek Podcast Facebook page and drop us a like. Also, why don't you head on over to any podcasting application you listen to the show on, whether it's iTunes, Google Play Music Store, Podbean, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. You can follow me on Twitter, and you can also hit me up on any platform on social media to let me know if there's a movie you'd like me to review in the future. But until next time, my name is Matt, and I'll be seeing you at the movies.